Hello, this is Tom Williams, and you are listening to Talk Theater in Chicago. I have had my guest, today's guest, on my radar for the past three years. And since he has completed the third part of his trilogy, I just knew I had to get Tony Fitzpatrick on. Hello, Tony. Hey, man, how are you? Great. What a show. Nickel History. The Nation of Heat as the third part of your your, your trilogy. American trilogy, yeah. It started with this train and then uh, Stations Lost, and this is the uh, this is the end of this cycle of plays. How would you describe this? Because it's storytelling. It, it, there's tremendous yeah, well, they're video. Not, they're not traditional plays by any sense. They're but they are theater. Oh um, yeah, oh yeah. I, I I prefer to think of it as a really nicely evolved kind of storytelling um and there's an element of collage in there and and many detours and usually by the end of the show all of those things meet up um i decided you know i never knew it was going to be a trilogy when i wrote this train this train was actually my diary and me and any filmer looked at it one day and she said you know there's a show in here and if you're game we can cobble this into that's uh, Ann Filmer you're talking about. Yeah, Ann yeah. from, from 16th ter- Street and Berlin, Oh, yeah, she's awesome. Who has helmed all three of these, and I, I attribute the success of these shows to her. She really uh, did a phenomenal job of, of, of guiding these uh, to fruition. So theater being a collaborative effort, this yeah. certainly is one. Uh, but it's based on your writing. It's based on, on your artwork. Yeah. And how about the video? Oh. The video, Kristen Reeves. She's on. Un- I've talked to her before the show. She's unbelievable. She's phenomenal, and we've had we we've, we've been blessed enough to have her for all three shows as well. This year, there was a question as to whether we could we could afford her, and I just said, you know, we can't afford not to have her. Um, I agree. The, the element, the, the visual component of the show is obviously kind of done by the same hands, and I thought that for thematic unity. We wanted that overall, over all three shows. And what was great was that um, she just worked like a sled dog uh, to make sure that every single thing was right. She spent a lot of time in my studio with me, a lot of time around the city of Chicago. She's, uh, we, we got her from Gainesville, Florida. And her and Annie used to work together years ago. And we were fortunate enough that, that she made the trip every year. Wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah. And now the, I'm looking at a, writing some new things, and there will always be a visual component with film. And I, I, I don't think I'll, if possible, ever work with anybody but her. I mean, well, you know what's so great about her? I've seen visuals, audio, uh, you know, uh, video with film and still pictures uh-huh. in plays that just completely distract, and they're in the way. Yeah. And your eye takes them, then you don't watch what's going on. She doesn't do her stuff blends it's perfectly, yeah. and it, and that that just adds a big element to it. Yeah, I mean, and, and also it, it it fits the um the, the kind of thematic force of the show, you know. And mm-hmm. that uh, what I did with this train was I thought that a bunch of you know kind of um, little stories added up to a whole portrait. When you held it up, it was like a quilt. When you were done with it, you could see the whole picture. Mm-hmm. You know, I did. Uh, I wrote this train as a uh, way to honor Studs Terkel. 
you know, Studs had passed away on Halloween of 2008. And I went to some memorials for him, and I thought, you know, the best way to honor him would be to make some work that honored the principles that he stood for. He was our witness to a century. He sure was, yeah. You know, Studs was on the right side of every important uh, historical issue that ever arose. The World War II, the Depression, the Blacklist, the Civil Rights Movement, the Women's Rights Movement, the Gay Rights Movement. Studs was always in the right place, and he paid dearly for those principles. He was oh, blacklisted yeah. in the 50s. He didn't work for 15 years, and, uh, you know, he walked the walk and he talked the talk. He, was he did, and, hero, and, you know. and he certainly was great on radio, too. His Absolutely. contribution to radio was amazing. Absolutely, 50 years. And, you know, to their credit, the Chicago Historical Society preserved all of the, all of those interviews uh, in a, a project called Vox Humana. Oh, I didn't the know human that. Human Voice, yeah. Oh, wow, great. They're, they've all been digitized, and they're all now at the Chicago Historical Society and available on their website and uh, in the Library of Congress. I mean, Studs was a, um, you know, his real audience hasn't been born yet. That's we will true. We be benefiting from what he taught us about ourselves. I agree. The kids now that are being born now... 30, 40 years from now when, they're, when, they're, when they get a hold of this stuff and they want to do the definitive history of the 20th century, they're going to run across yeah, studs. Yeah, well, one of the things he taught me um, was that, you know, history is often the, the lie we've all agreed upon. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know, him and Dr. Zinn, you know, Howard Zinn. Um, I, I got very lucky in that uh, I read Hard Times when I was in high school I read Division Street America when I was in high school, and I realized that the, the, the world that surrounded me uh, was the stuff of drama, yeah. you know, and was the stuff of theater, and, and that uh, lives that weren't normally examined, um, everybody has a journey, you know, and that, that's kind of been the guiding principle in, in these shows. Well, that's why a lot of people call you the... Uh the studs turkle of the 21st century. I am not worthy of that mantle. You know, I, I, uh, but you're, it's you're a, earning it's a it. Lovely thing to hear, but, uh, I, uh, that, that it will be a very, very long time be, before I earn anything like, uh, well, that. you're well on your way. Well, thank you. And it's, it's and I mean that I, so. uh, um, several people have, have used that term because they well, say, well, wanted, who is this I guy? To make these plays that, that, that honored the principles that he talked about. Um, you know, Studs was a big union guy, and yeah. right now it is just so fashionable to trash labor, to trash uh, working people. You know, even in our own city right now, Rahm Emanuel is, oh, you wonder where your, your, your pensions are. Oh, look at those greedy teachers. You know, he's trying to break the teachers' union. Well, and other unions, yeah. And I yeah. have a lot of my this friends. This me because I'm going to tell you something. If you think education is expensive, try ignorance. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and so, I, and know, I'm of a generation, uh, I have a police background, and a lot of my friends are now all retired. I left uh -huh. way before that. But And people say, well, they shouldn't get 80%, like teachers are getting of their last yeah. four years or their best four years. But I said, yeah, but to get that, they had to give you 33 to 35 years. of Their, their best years. They have, oh, yeah. Yeah, of their best they're, years. Their defining years. And the re one of the reasons they did it early was because of the promise of a pension. So we can't yeah. go back on it. Now, if you want to change it for the 
new ones coming in and they agree to it, you know, that's, that's, that's a negotiation. But don't try and take it away from people who have yeah, run it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, it offends me that they're trying to uh, uh, get working people to take the blame for uh, the idiotic expenditures on things like the war on drugs, the war on uh, Iraq. Um, if we would have spent a third of that money on education, we'd have the next hundred Nobel Prize winners. Yeah, that's true. And And, you know... I think these things kind of come forth into play. You know, we don't yeah, want to hit do. anybody over the head. You don't want to preach. Right. You don't. Pre that's what I like is, is you make your point. You make your comments. You're not afraid of zinging. You don't back off to anything or anybody. No. But you do it without preaching, without being a polemic, without being a piece of propaganda. No, my friend John McNaughton, the film director, yeah. gave me a very good piece of advice. He quoted Billy Wilder. He said, look, if you want to teach people anything, you better make them laugh. <laughs> that's a good that's and you're that, doing I, that's always in mind before i walk out there every night yeah you know? and now uh let's get back to the to uh the shows and by the way let me just mention we're we're talking about all three but the current nickel history the the nation of heat is the current running show at the steppenwolf yeah. garage it's running through August 5th. Through August 5th, and everyone, what, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. There's two shows on uh, on Saturday. And um, then when, when this is done, um, my friend Andy Davis, the film director, is thinking about filming all three shows. Oh, please do. We still have to figure that out. And, but you uh, owe that to, you owe that to uh, your public. And again, like you said, leaving these, the, the, this, this, history this document yeah, yeah you need it and i can see when you get a top film guy with the elements you have now with the music and the video to have uh well andy's kind of the perfect guy you know yeah. he made stony island uh 30 years ago okay yeah it's the movie that kind yes. of launched him yeah okay andy also came here to film the nato protests with haskell wexler Okay. In fact, my son and my other assistant, Ashkan, worked with them. My son's a film student at Columbia. Um, right. So I, I think it's the kind of thing he'd like to make about now. You know, he's made a lot of big action pictures. Right. He's seen this train and stations and, and loved them both. He'll see this. So I think, you know, perhaps this will probably uh, more likely than not happen. So know? he would make it a film rather than filming the play? Oh, he'd film the play. He'd filmed you know, the play. Yeah, so you'd yeah. have to reenact the other two plays. Yeah. Yeah, we'd have to... Well, make sure you get an audience there. That, <laughs> oh, that, man. In fact, <laughs> I, if you guys could stand it, to, to do it in, in like one day would be, would be awesome. You know, I, I, I'm crazy enough. memorization. To, <laughs> you know, I, I, I have a certain amount of room in my head. Okay. And, and, uh, that would be tough, yeah. But, you know, I had the advantage in having written it. Yeah. Um, but when Annie does the adaptation, she moves everything around. Um, you know, you know, Stan is my co-star again. Oh, Stan yeah, Klein, Stan's the, awesome. The great Stan yeah. Klein. And this time I wrote him a huge role. Yes, you, you know? did. I just thought, you know, because beforehand the other shows, I began to notice each show the audience loves Stan more. And I thought, you know, by the end of this thing, I want them to know Stan. Because Stan Klein is fascinating. I, I mean, he's had a, like me, he's had, you know, five other careers well, beforehand. he's so amazing in in uh, coming. You know, I always come early. And during the setup, I I was talking to Stan here in in the yeah. studio, and it's so overwhelming what you do here that folks, I'm going to be doing an interview in August with Stan talking about this. 
this well, about art fire cat. Yeah. yeah, about fire cat. I mean, you guys are letting artists show for a month at a time. Yeah. No charge. Anything they make. We take they, no percentage. Um, that's amazing. Our other businesses pretty much pay for this place uh, on good months. Some months we have to dig in and take care of it. Wow. And you know what? He'd not done much acting before I threw him into the fire in this Oh, game. he was terrific. I hired him because I didn't have the money for a co-star. I said, look, <laughs> you're coming to work with me. Uh, you're going to be in this place. He said, okay. You know, yeah, he's just nothing so bothers during him. this train. He didn't have a lot to do, so he'd sit backstage, read the paper, enjoy himself. Then in stations, I gave him a little more to do. Yeah, that. But he was still backstage reading the paper. You know, this time he's not backstage reading the paper. Oh no, he's he's he's, he's working like he's a on stage dog. more than you are. I believe yeah, he is. if you timed he is. it, yeah, because it's a couple of times. You you fade and he's out there and he's doing his thing for five ten minutes. Yep. Then you come back and yep. join him. And you know what? He's done an amazing job. You know, I mean, what's amazing about Stan is that it's fundamental decency and kindness. Yeah, it comes across. It just comes through because and that's honesty. who he is. Well, as you do, you in your way, you know, you come off you come off like this rough, tough guy. But with a heart of gold, with a real good heart. People say that, but yeah. I mean, there are others who will tell you I don't have a heart of gold. You know? <laughs> well, <laughs> but, you know, um, but Stan comes off as just as just you know, you're Ed McMahon all the way, just just this great guy that yeah, everyone and, believes. And, but but in this show, you know, he he, you, you get to see the whole picture, and Stan is a guy who loves baseball. Oh yeah, we got to get. It. I got to ask you that. Is that true? Yeah, it is. Tell us. Now, tell it us is. this anecdote. This is a great... Folks, this oh, is the man. reason to see oh. the show. <laughs> God. Oh, we had a huge fight about this. Uh, Stan loves Wrigley Field. Now, I'm, I'm a White Sox fan. I know? am, too. Yeah. And you know what? I will give him Wrigley Field. It is the altar of baseball. Okay? I can't argue with that. Unfortunately, the fucking Cubs play there. Okay? <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, they're into their second century of sucking as we speak. Yeah. And Stan applied for a job as like a greeter uh, at Cubs Park. Yeah, he wanted to be the new Andy Frayne. Right? Yeah, and, and you have yeah, a lot of video of him there. the park and watch yeah. the game, yeah. and you yeah. know, Stan and I love going to ball games. You know, yeah. and uh, he didn't tell me. <laughs> One of the young women who works on the show, Jennifer Aparicio, and it was a name like Aparicio, you figured she'd work for the Sox, right? Yeah, right. No, she works for the Cubs. And she's the stage manager of your show. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. She got Stan an interview and, you know, a whole tour of the club. Yeah, and it's all on video yeah, in the show, yeah. yeah. He's sitting in the dugout, yeah. you know. I didn't know anything about this. <laughs> then he tells me, I think I'm going to go work for the Cubs. I said, why don't you just stand at the corner of Clark and Addison and punch yourself in the nuts every day? <laughs> You'd have more fun, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And he, uh, um, it kind of turned into a thing. And then I felt bad because I really was kind of an asshole about it. You know, it's like. <laughs> I said, you know, we could do it with the Sox. And then, then he stopped me in my tracks. He said, look, first game at the, the new park, Dan Quayle threw out the first ball. And I was like, hey, <laughs> yeah. Touche. Yeah. You, you got. But, um, but your reaction in the show, Stan told me earlier that, uh, so that, that Rice recorded it, and so it's now scripted into the show. Oh, yeah. But it was yeah. your exact reaction. And oh, I, yeah. I, and how's this? Was, I knew sitting in the I audience. I was horrified, man. I knew <laughs> sitting in the audience. I, I, and I whispered to Chris Jones. I, I said, That's, that had to be his real reaction at the time. Oh, yeah. it was. Yeah. It was. 
But and I did apologize for yeah. it. Yeah, you know, because um, you know Stan and I are also American League guys. You know, he he's not a Cubs fan. He's originally a Cleveland Indians fan. He's from Cleveland. That's true. Yeah. And uh, I love the American League. I do you know, too. All these people who bitch about the DH, it's like, oh, you're that crazy to see the goddamn pitcher hit. No thanks. Well, and how's this? I tell people it's baseball's the only sport with two sets of rules. It's like in basketball, you go out to LA and you shoot a three pointer and it's worth four. I mean, it can't yeah. be. You got to have the same rules. Yeah, exactly. And you know they're not going to get rid of it. No. So why no, not, not just have Soriano be the DH in the in you know with the Cubs? Precisely. And, yeah. Precisely. And this year everybody was oh, you know Robin Ventura. He's not ready to manage in the big leagues. Uh, yeah. Well, what are you saying now? Yeah, he's in first place. You know. Yeah, first place. And and they got a good shot at winning it. You know what? They could be in it. Yeah. You know? I they mean, could. when they when they won the World Series last time, I flew back from London. I was supposed to be there another week. I flew back to make sure I was here for the last game. Good for you. And uh, you know, when they won, I was elated. And at the same time, I was so sad that my dad did not live to see the Sox win a World Series. He was a hardcore Sox fan. And he was probably there in 59. You bet he was. Yeah. I, was, I, was I watched all. I was, I, was, I was on his lap. I was less yeah. than a year old. Yeah. And uh, remember when it, he'll remember day, when Daly. Daly oh, set the fire alarms. Yeah. 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 And yeah. we thought there was like nuclear war happening and it was the Sox. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, that, that uh, you know, I don't hate the Cubs as much as I pretend to. Um, in fact, you know, Ernie Banks, Billy Williams, Ron Santo. I love those things. Remember Jack Brookhouse? Hey, hey. Yeah, yeah Don yeah. Kessinger, yeah, Glenn yeah, Becker, yeah. Randy Hunley. I mean, you know, you, you you don't have a better team than that. You know, I, I there are there are Cubs that I love, you know, um, particularly Ernie Banks, you yeah. know, who – Still always, around, Chicago White Always icon. comported himself with an immense dignity. Yeah. You know, love the game, play the game the way it was supposed to be played. That's true. Know? All right, let's get back to the show. We, we know we, you love baseball. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I liked in all the shows is the way you blend the past yeah. with the present, the way you blend your personal stories and your family with anecdotes about characters in your life. It just, yeah. it's, it's just so well, entertaining. And one of the things people say sometimes is that it's like sentimental. It's really not. And if it's nostalgia, it's very disciplined nostalgia. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the, the last, you know, the, the, one of the things I want people to do is remember and learn from what has happened before. Yeah. Um, it's one of the things Studs said uh, constantly the last five years of his life that America suffered from a national Alzheimer's. And that really stayed with me. And I, I think, I think looking you're right. back to look forward, you know, we give ourselves maybe a peek at what's happening five miles down the road. Yeah. We can say, wow, you know, maybe it's not a good idea to uh, engage Iran in, uh, in, in a fruitless war. You know, we've been here before. You know, the Russians had it with Afghanistan. We had it with the Vietnam conflict. Um, and we're still repairing the psychic wounds yeah. of those wars. You know, when, when the NATO protest happened a few months ago, I saw a lot of young men and women throw their medals back. And for me, it was the most solemn and salient uh, coda to the folly of the last 10 years of our nation. Um, I think uh, very much that 
um, we have to be careful students of history. Yeah. And that's not nostalgia. That's just species protective. Yeah, you know, and, and anyone that would accuse you of being uh, sentimental, just remember the story. I think it was in the second one about the nuns. Yeah. About how you were, and I have the same experience. Oh, yeah. The Catholic school being tortured by the nuns. And that oh, was yeah. probably one of the things that drove me away. And I'm kind of a recovering Catholic for the, you know, oh, I'm been a away from atheist, that for, huh? you know? yeah, I, I mean, am too. A, you know. Yeah. I, I could never buy the thing when they would tell you that if you ate the hamburger you were eating on a Friday, you were going to hell. And my Jewish friends and Protestant oh, friends, we I, all had I hamburgers. Big Macs on Friday. Yeah. I mean, come yeah. on. You know, uh, um, uh, it, it was it was silly, and it's been two thousand years of women hating, science hating, gay hating, uh, tyranny and oppression. Yeah, I agree. And I, if if you want to, uh, you know, you think of all of the people, all of the Christian charity and the Crusades, and well, know. all religions. More people have been killed in the name of religion oh, than yeah. any other force. More, more it's than economic body counts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, you had the Muslims and the Buddhists and, you know, every, yeah. the sects of, of the Muslims fighting each other as they're doing. Uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Currently, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's people killing each other over what. But rather than you preaching about it, the stories about how the nuns actually tortured you. Oh, school. they drove me away from it. You mean to, and, and, you know. There's one the, story that didn't make it into stations. Um, I found a skunk that had just been hit by a car when I was a kid and I gathered it up. Ran it into the school. I wanted the nun to bless it because she was talking a few days before about all God's creatures, all all creatures great and small, na 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 na. You know. <laughs> yeah. So I said, sister, you know, this guy's on his way out. You might want to bless him and let God know he was a solid skunk and you know never hurt anybody. Let him into heaven. And she went out of her fucking mind. <laughs> you know, threw me out of the school. You know, expelled me, you know. And that's when I thought, this is God's A-team. Yeah. yeah. He needs to recruit better, yeah. you know. Well, today, if they did that, they would get arrested for child abuse and be going to prison. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. No kidding. I mean, you know, I, I, I had one tell me, you know. Uh, she was about to whack me. I said, sister, what, what about mercy? She said, Jesus will extend you the mercy. <laughs> oh, I'm in the justice department. <laughs> And, uh, and then she hammered me, you know. Yeah. But I mean, those stories are great. And and in in the latest one, uh, the the besides the baseball one, you and Stan uh, talking about your fathers joining the yeah. war in World War Two. Yeah, yeah. My dad came home from graduating Leo High School, and on his dining room table was his draft notice. Wow. And he joined the Navy, um, became a pharmacist mate, a medical officer. And wound up invading Okinawa. And that was the bloodiest that, battle of yeah, the war. And yeah, and saw things there that, that he never, ever forgot. Wow. You know, and, uh, you know, you couldn't get my, I, and one of the things I'm most proud of him for is you couldn't get him to a war movie or to watch even McHale's Navy or Hogan's Heroes. He thought anything that made light of that conflict, of that horrible, bestial exercise, was obscene. You know, I ran into that with my family and the fathers of all my generation. Yeah. None of them talked about the war. That's no. why I like those. My dad did not discuss the war with me. But wasn't know, that so great that... that the very end in, when he was in hospice. Yeah. But when, when Spielberg did uh, the Band of Brothers and the one, the Pacific, the two series. Yeah. So now we do know about it because yeah. they wouldn't talk about yeah. it. Yeah. 
Yeah, the Band of Brothers, I thought, particularly, was very, very good. Yeah. Um, and, and the interviews with the people that, are, that were still yeah, alive. And, yeah, and, you know, I always want to avoid, you know, the, the, the tropes of, uh, oh, the greatest generation and stuff. But the truth is, is that, you know, in, in 1945, three million 19-year-olds saved the world. That's true. Know? It's not a fallacy to say that. Right, um, and a lot of people don't realize that. I, I, I was just reading where... And the, the cost. Right, I mean, the average age of a pilot that was flying the B-17s, yeah. and there were 60,000 of them 19. killed. Yeah. It was, it was 19 in like eight months. That's the pilot. Yeah. And, of course, the gunners probably were Well, younger. the guy I caddied for, Vin, Vince Castelli, yeah. who I, I caddied for for years, um, was a fighter pilot. And one of the reasons he could not uh, hit a good golf swing was that he had injured his foot. He'd taken a bullet through his foot from strafing fire in World War II, and he couldn't really get great balance. And, and he was an awful golfer. I mean, he was just abysmal. But, um, but he said to me, one day he stopped in the middle of the fairway. I asked him how he got the limp. And he explained it. That he said, you know, when I got drafted, I just thought I was never coming back. He said, I... Uh, uh, I decided I wanted to see those little red-eyed bastards up close and personal and drill the Nazis, hmm. up, you know. He said, and uh, I wound up surviving, and, uh, you know, and then he got really, you know, kind of quiet for a minute. He said, you know, my whole neighborhood, before I went to war, every day the Army and the military cars were pulling up and men getting out with a folded flag under their arm and walking up to the door. Yeah, you know what that telling was. Telling mothers and sisters and wives and daughters, in many mm -hmm. cases, uh, that their loved one wasn't coming back. Yeah. So my, 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 my own father told me he fully expected to die in the invasion of Japan. To this day, you know, or to the day he passed, he thought Harry Truman saved his life. Well, it's like my mother, to this day, will not ride in a Japanese-made car. Because she had five of her best friends on her block, all got killed in, in World War II, you know, fighting the Japanese. Yeah. And I bought a Toyota, and she wouldn't get in it. I had to get a cab you know, twice. My, <laughs> my dad, you know, gratefully in his lifetime, put that aside. Good, um, good for him. And I never heard him say anything like nips or gooks or slopeds or anything like that. You know, he never used derogatory uh you know, once in a while he would say the, you know, the Jap subs and the, you know, but um, uh, he had a Japanese doctor at the very end who alleviated a great deal of his suffering. And he, and he put that aside, you know. Um, good, good for him. You know, he realized it was a different world. Yeah. You know, one, one of the things that didn't make this show, John McNaughton and I and some other friends went to Tokyo. Yeah, it's, well, that's in the show that you went to Tokyo. And we went to a ball game. What we didn't talk about is we sat with a man who was a Hiroshima Carps fan. He was about 70 years old. He was obviously very successful. He had a Rolex, and there was an, a younger man running and getting him beers. and you know, um, But he was a terrific guy. We had a great conversation. He spoke very good English. Um, and we realized that you know, in this man's lifetime, we tried to wipe his city off the face of the earth. Yeah. And here we are, three quarters of a century later, you know, three middle-aged men uh, sitting around watching a ball game. 
And we go to the ball game for the same reasons we do here, to feel good about where you are and where you come from. Yeah. And it was, uh, and he knew we were Americans. It could not have been kinder. He sent me a Hiroshima caps. Oh, that's uh, nice. Hiroshima. Yeah, I have a huge squash. I got a big head. <laughs> so they didn't have one in my size. And he said, write down your address. I'll have one sent to you. And he sent me a carps hat. And, wow. Uh, uh, there was something kind of remarkable, and I felt like um, when that happened, the next day I thought, this is, or something of this must be, you know, uh, complete the circle in the show. Yeah. You know, when I talk about the Japanese baseball, um, it, it's really to kind of honor that culture. You know? And it, aren't the shows... In one way, not only you communicating and telling us about the past, but you're you're paying homage to your father too. Isn't oh yeah, it? yeah. That seems to come. He was across. a remarkable guy, yeah. you know. Um, and it gets us all thinking. It got me thinking about my father, and I think everybody in the audience. He gave me the best advice I ever had. You know, when when I told him I wasn't going to do anything seriously except make drawings, he said, "Then do it like you're fighting a war." Great line. I said, "Well, what do you mean?" He said, "Not one step backwards." Give us the nickel quote from, from your uncle. Oh, my it, Uncle that's Tommy. The, said, it's the key to the show. It's the name of the show. You learn a little bit every day. A nickel's worth. Someday, kid, you might just add up to a buck. <laughs> and you used well, that as the nickel history, the, the, the nation of heat. Yeah, nickel history in the song, uh, the, the, the Nation of Heat. Uh, it kind of refers to the, the, the heated up, ridiculous rhetoric we live with now. You know, Romney and Obama going at it, like, you know, um, uh, the hateful shit you hear over, you know, right-wing radio Ugh, um, yeah. and left-wing radio. I mean, believe me, I don't yeah. forgive either of them for the, the mindless, empty rhetoric. Um, it's also the title of a phenomenal song by Joe Pug. Yeah, he was terrific. Yeah, I've not, he, I've not he heard flew him. in to open the show with us. Wow. And he's going he's gonna to sing the song again tonight. Right. And believe me, I cannot afford Joe Pug. <laughs> and he did this just to be a pal. And uh, I gave him a cool etching. And uh, he was happy to be here. His dad flew in last night to see it. Great. Because his dad was a, has always heard about Steppenwolf and wanted to see his show there. You oh, know? So And we tell us. just so fortunate. How about I mean, your singer? Is she great? Or Anna really? Furman. Unbelievable. She can sing any style. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You know, we were so blessed to have her. And in the know. interest of time, I was... And our guitarist, John Rice. Yeah, who well, been he's been in all your the shows. The musical director of every show and, and is he, the unsung hero. He just knows when and where and, and what tones to underscore. He's a phenomenal Yeah. You just don't see that. This is probably the best guitarist in this city. Is that right? Oh. Yeah, he's phenomenal. I, I Plays agree. with the Staple Singers, played with Sonia Dada, played with the Insiders. Wow. Um, uh, John, we're, we, we're so lucky for having And then on a lighter note, you did something in this show that I didn't see in the other shows. You and Stan danced twice. You have yeah. two dance numbers. Well, I don't stand at the second one. I'm yeah, too old right. to be dancing. <laughs> we have, you know, our phenomenal ghostly... Carolyn Herdeman. Yeah. Who we've seen in everything. And, and she's been around Chicago oh, yeah. for ages. And she's got her, her 40s she's hairdo got, going. Beautiful. And, that, and that, that timeless face. Yeah. Carolyn looks like she could be a girl of the 40s or a girl of yeah. right now. Um, she adds another element to the show. She's yeah. amazing. Yeah. She's just so 
incredible and understated. I first saw her in the Betty Page show years ago. Okay. Then in Camino Real, and I thought, you know, yeah. if we're going to have a ghost, this is the person to do it. And she's been perfect. Yeah. You know? She's even riding a bike on roller skates. Yeah. It's amazing. Brother, I'm telling you, I'm the least talented guy on that stage. <laughs> I mean, I am, I am humbled by the talented people I get to work well, with. Well, let me say that I, that I think they're all talented, and, and, and uh, you putting this together, because you're the glue. These, all these people at the element, but you're the glue, because you wrote it, most of it, and, and it's, it's your concept. Yeah. And you, know, and, and you I, should be proud of that. I am proud of it. I'm endlessly proud of it, and I was, I'm just so fortunate for those who chose to do this with me. All right. We're almost out of time. Give us a little commercial for the show. It's at Steppenwolf Garage. It's at the Steppenwolf Garage, which we love. Yeah, it's a nice My space. favorite room in the world yeah, to work Yeah, I like in. it, yeah. Um, which is on Halstead, just north of North Avenue, on the west side of the street. Um, and we run through August 5th. Thursday it's, through Sunday. With, Thursday through Sunday, with Saturday, two shows Monday, on Saturday. Through, yeah. It's called Nickel History, The Nation of Heat. Uh, please join us. And Tom... Thank you so well, much for having me. I'm very You are grateful. an institution in this town and some people say I belong in an institution. <laughs> well, I've I've been known that, I've been called that too. But uh it, it is it it's theater like you've never seen. It's like all the elements of theater combined. Some people call it performance, or I call it theater. And and it's it's storytelling, it's music, it's we comedy. think of it as, you know, yeah. storytelling yeah. and uh, very evolved storytelling, but it's so smartly and done, and and just well, credit Annie Filmer and Kristen yeah. Reeves yeah. for the smart stuff. Yeah, you know. Um, well, you're having fun, right? I'm having a guess. Yeah, it's, it's it's wonderful, and it's wonderful to complete a trilogy. Well, that's great. What's next for you? Last question. Um, I'm working on a, a show of uh, drawing collages uh, for a show called The Vacancy. Okay. That'll go up in August with three other phenomenal Chicago artists, Daniel Brudig, Duncan Robert Anderson, and Chris Hefner. Where's that going to be? It's going to be at the Living Room, which is uh, a little gallery real estate space on Superior, just east of Ashland. And the theme of the show, the reason I did it was, uh, the theme of the show is absence. Okay. And longing and... You it's know, right up your that alley. That gets me to the church every time. <laughs> yeah, it does. Well, great. Tony. Well, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. And I appreciate it. Folks, go see a play this week. Mm-hmm.